whatever you want to call it, God's common grace or Western the, or the civilization. Western civilization, yeah. we're still eating that fruit. We got such a bumper crop right. that we've been eating that fruit while at the same time not tending the tree. And I think in this current era, not only are we not tending the tree, we're trying to chop it down. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Unyielding Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything from a Christian perspective. I am your host, Mike Van Meter, and I'm joined by here my four best friends who you'll hear in just a moment. Uh, real quick, though, the idea behind this podcast is that we want to challenge ourselves and you, our listeners, to view the world through a distinctly and unapologetically Christian worldview. In a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity, it is uh, oftentimes tempting to shrink back from the bold claims of Christianity and just kind of go with the flow or or accept what the, the world has to say about things. But Jesus said something important in Luke 9, 26. He says, whoever's ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. Man, I don't want to be ashamed, have Jesus be ashamed of me. And so I don't want to be ashamed of him. We don't want to shrink back from Jesus or from his words, but we want to boldly proclaim and live them out. We don't want to yield to the culture, but we want to stand fast. And so that's our attempt to encourage you guys to do the same. Um, And so that's what this podcast is going to be about. One of the ways that God has helped me develop a biblical worldview is through the friendships and some of the friendships that I have here with the guys in this room that um, there really has been iron sharpening iron. So let me just kind of real quick, you guys can introduce yourselves. My name, I'll, I'll introduce myself first. My name is Mike Van Meter. I'm 45 years old. I'm a teaching pastor at Foothills Church. I've got a wife. We've been married for 11 years and I have um, uh, six kids. Hi, yeah, I'm Bo. Uh, I'm uh, 39 years old and uh San Diego native. I'm married and I have uh, three kids. Um, I work daily in technology. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm trying to be uh, about as far away from technology as I can get. My name is Phil. I'm 37 years old. I have a wife with three kids um, and I work in energy and uh, I am in politics. Yep. Tobias, uh, 39 years old and uh, married for almost 10 years now and uh, four kids. Uh, working toward a fifth adoption, uh, and uh, yeah, we're also working tech. And uh, in my free time, I try to get as far away from it. Also, yeah, my name is Spencer Hancock. Um, <clears throat> I am also well. I'm 39, um, San Diego native, and I'm married. Been married for 11 years. Uh, no kids, um, and yeah, I work kind of in tech, like a quasi tech job, like basketball. Like jujitsu, that kind of stuff. Yeah, great. Okay, so those are the voices you're going to be hearing. And the reason you're hearing these guys is because we've actually been meeting together for several years. I was just talking before this that um, we had a, a kind of a guys meetup, Taco Tuesday. We'd get together, have dinner together, um, discuss our lives, kind of encourage each other in accountability, talk about the world, pray for each other. And over the years, God has really used that. It's been really instrumental in my own personal life. Um to, to develop my thinking and help sharpen my thinking and help challenge my thinking, um, help me to grow as a man, help me to grow as a father, as a pastor, all these kinds of ways that have been really good. Really what the Bible says, you know, as, as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another, that's definitely been my experience. And, um, I I found it to be really profitable. And so I thought it'd be cool for us to come and have some of these discussions together, like discussions we've all been having offline for over 15 years now and and come and just invite other people to come and listen and it might be profitable for them in some ways too um 
for us to, to just talk about the world and, and all the, you know, kind of, again, anything that goes, that, that goes on with life. Um, so over the years, kind of one of my questions I wanted to ask you guys was what are some of the benefits to meeting together? Um, if we've all been in this kind of spot together, what are some of the ways that that's helped you in your life, that it's been impactful, that is the reason, you know, we're still here 15 years later, still doing it. Well, <clears throat> for me, this is Phil. Um, one of the, I came in halfway through the 15 year mark. You guys kind of adopted, stitched me in to this group. And so jumping into the group, the first thing that I noticed was the, I would say the level of honesty that you guys operate um, with each other and with yourselves. I mean, we're so smart. We play tricks on our own minds to fool ourselves into thinking that we're feeling something or we believe something and we'll come up with all these different strategies and ways to convince ourselves of something. But the directness and the level of honesty that you guys presented in this group and the level of honesty that you hold yourselves to and the probing questions has completely changed my life with regard to um, being honest about what I'm actually feeling, what I'm actually doing, how I think, how I act. Um, because you grow up in an environment in the world where you put on these facades all the time and you say things that you think people want to hear. And that's just kind of the norm and the standard. And when you're confronted with, um, hey, no, what's really going on in your life? What do you really actually think? It kind of, you take a step back and then I see you guys challenging each other, interacting. Um, it was refreshing. And um, the burden of trying to keep up this facade kind of melts away because someone has said, it's okay to be this honest um, with each other. And my life has drastically improved from it. My relationships have improved. My relationship with the Lord, with my wife, that has grown me as a man significantly. And um, there's a quote that says, uh, the strongest person in the room is a person that has nothing to hide. And if we can all are the most confident person, the strongest person, the person with the most leverage is the person that has nothing to hide. And so living your life in a way that you have nothing to hide unapologetically has, has helped me tremendously. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Um... I, I think one of the things that happens when you get together and talk regularly, Mike, you said like just living in the world, people will bring up all kinds of topics. And as a Christian, I, it, it, I think us getting together and bringing up topics and being Christian and discussing them taught us how to explore, how to explore the ideas that are coming to us from the world. And it, and you know, um, we did this at restaurants. So we, we would have taco Tuesdays and it kind of taught us how to explore it in a semi public, bold, gregarious way. Like we were always out laughing and loud and cognizant that people could hear us. And it, it was, um, it was healthy for us to push on that perceived boundary. And so then when I would go into other places, I had already seen myself, talk about Christian concepts and Christian perspectives publicly. So I, I had less of a barrier in other places to hold back because I, I did it. And so we would do it every Tuesday and that was, that was edifying for us. I think all of us became better at, at being bold. We also, because what Phil said, we became better at defending our, our thoughts and we had an opportunity to, to get stupid thoughts corrected. And we had an opportunity to, to strengthen our, our actual convictions and beliefs. So, um, it's been, it's been, uh, really good. It's been very thoroughly, um, edifying to, to do it and to do it for so long 
it's become like muscle memory. And so all of us, I, I, you can see it in us when we go out into the world, we just operate a little differently. We're, we're not concerned how I think a lot of other Christians are. There's not, there's, it moved, it removed a lot of the timidness. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, and maybe some I hadn't really thought about, but sometimes, you know, doing something by yourself can be hard and scary and you feel like, man, I'm the only one. But when you have just other people that are doing it with you and then just even get like a little bit of experience of, man, we're just kind of out there being unapologetically full of joy. But, you know, we, we've talked about all kinds of, you know, crazy things that were not politically correct or whatever in front of people just does give you a little bit of experience uh for feeling what that look like that's interesting yeah and i think for me this is tobias i think that uh some of it is you know being in tech and working in an environment that is uh uh, so uh not what you know i don't know what you want to call it secular or of the world or um whatever it is it's hostile yeah it's it's past uh you know it makes me think of the the verse talking about being soldiers of Christ Jesus, you know, that we don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Well, I feel like I'm surrounded by civilian, you know, civilian affairs all day long um, and trying to be civil and trying to keep the peace. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of nice to get together. I think Taco Tuesdays and getting with these guys has been a chance to, uh, you know, talk about things that are real, right? It's uh, acknowledging that we're in a, a spiritual war, that it's warfare, that we can we can actually talk like soldiers, right? And not, not be worried about civility and hurting people's feelings or, uh, you know, being too delicate or anything else that, you know, if you, uh, if you show some signs of being delicate, um, then you're going to get pressed on harder, you know, like iron sharpens iron for a reason, you know, that's, it's not a, it's not a delicate process. And so that's kind of something that I've always enjoyed is, you know, getting off, uh, getting off work and, and then being able to actually talk warfare, right? Spiritual warfare and building a kingdom and, you know, all those real things. Um, and like Phil said, I think the honesty, being honest and real is, you know, when you're in a war, when you're building something, it's not the time to be uh, hiding any specs or truths or, or facts of the matter. You know, it's, you talk you talk what's real because you're getting real things done. Hmm. So that's, that's good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on that point, um, I think one of the reasons that we can be so honest uh, with each other and so real is because our intentions with meeting together are are genuine, right? We're we're not all meeting together to to try and impress each other or try to look a certain way. We, I think each of us have a desire in life to be excellent. You know, you can argue whether or not, you know, uh, we're hitting those goals in what, in what areas, right? But um, I think that that's one of the big things is that is that's our primary goal is, is we want to love God. We want to follow him. We want to walk in his commandments and we want to do that with excellence. And, um, and I think that because that's our genuine goal, Everything else falls, uh, you know, down in front of that, right? So we can be very honest. We can be very um, open about things that we're struggling with and and um, and things that we need help in. Um, and so I think that's just been, uh, you know, one of the reasons why this works. And I think, you know, it's it's not um, obviously unique to our group. It's it's Christian community. It's Christian brotherhood. It's and I think that it's something that um, uh, that's essential. It, it shouldn't be i think as rare as as maybe it is you know um like i think of of the uh the scripture that says that um you know a cord of three strands is not quickly broken right there's there's times in our lives we're all going to be up some of us are going to be down some of us are going to be struggling with something others are going to be celebrating something and i think when you mix those things together um there's a there's a lot of strength there and and it and it makes for um longevity yeah. It's not quickly broken, you know. Yeah. 
And I would just say there's a couple of different strands that are going on here. One is that there's some been some helpful help in our thinking and our sharpening and just our kind of how we're developing our worldview of, of how things work together. But then there's also just a relationship thing. So this podcast will not be able to replace a relationship, right? These, the, this is actually something that I, I really, it's not easy to find. It takes a long time to develop, but I really encourage everybody who's listening. You want to have people in your life who can, who know you, who are not impressed by you, who can speak honestly to you and, and have that kind of accountability. You can't get that anywhere else. And, and as we kind of move towards more of like a, uh, online world where there's in-person relationships are being reduced. I just would say there, there is no, um, no substitute for that. And so that, that's something you should really seek out and look for in your life. But as we kind of move into thinking about ideas and, and how we, uh, you know, how Christians should be in the world, how should we should be approaching the world? Um, that moves into our, kind of what I want to discuss here, um, is, is I heard Jim Garlo, pastor Jim Garlo said something several years ago. He said, um, if you're under 45, I feel sorry for you because you don't know how great our country was. And what he said, what he basically was saying is that, is that if you're not over a certain age, you can't recall in your memory living in a United States of America that was, um, uh, you know, just a different time that was stronger, that was better, that was more morally fit, that was, uh, you know, uh, more idealistic, um, better to believe in. And, and one of the things he's pointing to is the way that the world is changing. And I think we're old enough. You know, I don't think we necessarily fit into that category where you can look back on the glory days of America. Um, so we're kind of all kind of fit in this very transitional period of the world. But what's interesting is I think just in our lifespans, we can look back and see, man, things are drastically changing fast in the world. Uh, if you think back to just even like, you know, trans issues or whatever, nobody five years ago was talking about trans issues. That's like been a crazy steep development. In in California in 2008, California passed um, Prop 8, right, which was which defined marriage as a, between yeah, a man and a woman. Crazy, yeah. This today in California, there's you know that I don't know 90 10. It'd be something you know astronomically crazy that it would it would fail. Um, so as we kind of look and think about over the world, the way that the world is viewing Christian ideas and and what used to be kind of I mean, the the norm for the culture was kind of default Christian. The, the world had really been, America, or the culture had really been discipled by, uh, you know, the church. The church had a had an important place in it. We've never had a president who wasn't a, a confessing Christian, right? There, there's sort of, that was always a, an important part of, of um, you know, American culture and, and not so much anymore. That's, that has, is changing and has been changing for a long time and, and very quickly. What are some ways that you have kind of seen the world change? Um, and that as your experience, as you kind of think back over your life, you know, from when you were in high school, I graduated high school in 1996. You guys were like 2001, 2002, 2002, three, 2003. So, um, what are some ways that you have experienced the world, uh, changing as far as your faith, Christianity, that kind of stuff? <laughs> so, um, I, I, I'll, I'll say a way the world has changed, um, noticeably. I don't know how it ties in with Christianity explicitly, but the pace, right? So, um, growing up, I, I grew up in high school. I didn't have a cell phone. I, um, I, there, there were different things in life. If you, um, wanted to meet somebody somewhere, you would leave from where you were at. And in between that time, you had no way to connect with that person again until you met them somewhere. It's a real arbitrary thing, but it, it was a different way to live. And I, I think all of our space here, 
we had an experience of life that was like that. And now we have an experience of life that is bordering on immediate access to whomever or whatever, whenever you want it. Your phone has the technology and phones and that type of stuff has just done something to us. Um, it's it, a, it's it, like a plugged in world versus an unplugged yeah. world. I mean, and in a lot of ways it's good. Yeah, like sure. I, if I have a question, uh, I can go to Google on my phone and get the answer it, it, now. Um, but if I, if I think about how Christianity works, how deep things work, relationships, they don't happen at that pace. Just in, you don't cultivate a strong friendship instantly. You don't build something good in your life instantly. And so I, I think in your questions, what's changed there, there's a, that's changed. Yeah. I don't, and I don't, I don't think that could be overstated because I think that there are a lot of unintended consequences that we haven't even seen or considered to a plugged in social media, online world, you know, a digital world, whatever you want to call it, that we don't actually even know what we're doing to ourselves yet. I think there's a lot of evidence and, and you're seeing a lot of evidence come out in adolescence with, uh, you know, the, the, the suicide rates are going up. Um, uh, hospital, um, visits are going up for self-harm. Like there's all these indicators that, that anxiety and, and depression are, are higher now than they were during the great depression, you know, during times of existential crisis in our country, we have all kinds of evidence now that there are all kinds of bad outcomes. And a lot of them coincide with the, the release of the, of the iPhone, right? Where you have not, I remember, I remember hearing one time years and years ago that, that more and more, um, uh, internet surfing was going to go on your phone rather than on computer. And I just thought that's crazy. That will never happen. These phones are terrible. Now, dude, I, I hardly ever use a computer. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's our phones are, are everything, but there's, there's really bad downstream consequences in development and relationship and just how you're viewing the world as far as, as, as what takes time to, to sow into, to develop character, all those things are changing in ways that I don't think we fully understand and they're going to be problems. Yeah, I think related to that too, if we bring it back to morality and Christianity is the idea that you can uh, be disconnected and kind of shoot some of your idea out there and then hide behind a computer, I think has done a lot of people a lot of harm. They can kind of send something out there that they, you know, they wouldn't have said to a person in a group or a room or, you know, there's, there's, uh, and then if someone else responds right now, oh, they get some you know, if they get some feedback there that they wouldn't get in the real world, right? You wouldn't, people wouldn't stand and proclaim some of the things that they do now online. And I think, you know, yeah, that's even in work and, and everything else, you know, there's, there's things that are said to, uh, to me or, you know, uh, trainings and, uh, you know, virtual, all this stuff at work, you know, from work that, you know, if you were going to shake my hand, uh, you know, in, in the next morning, um, you're going to look me in the eye, you probably wouldn't be saying and doing some of the things that you're doing. So I think there's, there's a lack of, uh, you know, not, not seeing someone face to face and being a real full person in society that has, you know, uh, I think we've gotten that people been pushed into these fringes and, um, and it's just made people weird. Uh, you know, yeah. that's in, <clears throat> it's funny, you know, I grew up with that idea of be a man of your word, right? I don't even know if kids would understand be a man of your word today because it's, it requires, relationship and face-to-face -face agreement, right? So, you know, historically you wouldn't have been able to survive in society if you weren't a person, your word, you know, in, in all times prior to the last, you know, uh, probably since the industrial revolution where people could have some anonymity and, and 
live in cities and just kind of have this very not living their whole lives together, but these just touchy points of distinct different parts is, is man, if you said, Hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sell you a bushel of corn, uh, in six months when the harvest comes in, if you give me seed now, or if you give me, you know, what, whatever milk now, and you didn't keep your word, you didn't deliver on what you had promised. You were out of the community. Nobody would do business with you. you your family would starve, right? So being a man, of your word was really important. That is almost just that ship has sailed almost. It's it's almost not even. And being a person of, of full character, right? Of integrity in your life, right? If you were a good businessman, but you were a terrible father and a bad friend, and you, you know, you had all these other, you weren't a, you weren't a whole person that was striving for goodness in society, then people knew it. You'd get found out. Yeah, you get found yeah. out very soon. And whereas now, uh, I mean, a, a lot of our culture is a race to the bottom. It's the biggest victim wins and it's a very very strange thing because at least even when i was growing up if you were racing towards looking weak or victimized people would just i mean it's it's bewildering it would, yeah. it made no sense but now you see people who are they go on a, a you know work slack and they talk about all their intimate weird problems and their chihuahua has diarrhea and they're they got diarrhea and they're they got all the, you know, they're all this weird <laughs> sickness and weakness. And hey, I'm gone for ten minutes. I was, you know, uh, this the weirdest. Uh, what the? What does this have to do with getting work done and being yeah, a good? I'm not sure you know? that's the exact example. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm it just saying one it, of that is a strain. That is a, you know, yeah. There definitely is a we're we're, what? we're virtuizing uh, weakness. We're virtuizing. Uh, victimhood. So who would come into who would come into unproductive? But I'm saying who would be in a meeting room with a dozen other people and be like, just a quick announcement. (laughs) Here's all the weird (laughs) things that I, you know, here's where uh, it's just the unintended consequences of not being connected. You might tell that to a friend, but if none of your friends are in person and can see you and actually share your problems, then you you let it out wherever you slack it out because you don't well, you're not really known. And to your point uh, about the instant gratification, the level of expectation of what it takes to develop a close relationship is completely skewed. Young people who never had to do that in the past have no clue the level of time and and depth it takes to develop a face to face relationship. And that's how God describes his relationships when he was friends with Moses. It, we were face to face. They he looked down on his face as a friend, and so. Um, the level of expectation is completely skewed. They have no clue what it takes to develop a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, I think a lot of factors, obviously, that we're touching on here because the, during the time from when we were young until now, um, there's a lot of things that have changed. I don't know if you can understate <laughs> something more than that, right? And so I think like one of the factors certainly is like the technology and the prevalence of it, the spread of it has um has done things that no one could have uh, imagined. And I think they've done in some ways, you know, hopefully not irreparable harm, but certainly massive, massive harm to to, uh, to our society. And I, and I think that that's mixed with the secularization of our country um, and, and, a, and a move away from Christianity being the, the, the culture, right? Um, and I think those two things together they've just kind of swirled and mixed together and, and caused these very weird, as Tobias said, these very weird outcomes, a very weird culture to be produced in our country. Um, and, and, and it's still going, we, you know, it's still kind of mutating these two things together, this, this lack, this fading away of our, of our Christian foundation. And then also this, this, you know, technology, they've just come together 
um, and, uh, and produce some very strange things. And I think like, you know, one of the things with Christian culture that I've seen, I guess, disappear and, and we're, we're touching on this, but uh, you know, you could generally assume when I was a kid that you're, you know, if you needed help, go ask an adult. Right. And obviously there was still evil adults. There was still things to be aware of. There was still, you know, stranger danger or what have you. But um, there was there you could reasonably assume and you would usually be right that your neighbor across the street thought most of the things that you thought were good were good. Right. Right. And, and if he didn't, if he was into something, if he was doing wrong, he wasn't proud of it. Right. Right. If he, if, if he was, you know, sleeping around on his, on his wife or, or, you know, cheating on his taxes or, or whatever it was, you know, maybe he was proud of it. But in general, he probably wouldn't tell you, you should do this thing, too. This is a good thing. This is great. This is the way society should be. There was kind of a there was a culture, at least a remnant culturally of Christianity, even if they didn't point back to that as being, you know, someone that was that was walking with Christ. You could kind of generally assume that, that there was a certain a certain yeah. norm there. And that norm is in it's not just gone it's inverted i think that's hard for a lot of older people to understand because you know if you're if you came into let's say the 1990s as a fully formed adult and you have lived your life since then you've been talking to other adults that are similar ages than you you might it'd be easy for you to miss the degree to which that has changed um if if you interact with young people and and uh you know you're you're kind of aware of the world that is happening or the world that's going on when you're uh, among young people that that we are in such a time of flux and transition that it's hard to to imagine it that it could have happened like this uh, several years ago i think one of the one of the beneficial things to do just from a christian perspective probably from just a thinking perspective as a person is to think what is what is the world going to say about right now a hundred years from now like what are the history books going to say what what are they going to say 200 years from now and and when you start thinking about all the ways that current 2023 America is is very distinct and different from all time periods before and like what all the ways that we are have changed and and are very different from you know what the world was in other time periods and other places and and, and all that kind of stuff uh you recognize man we are a ve- we are doing some things that have never been done and are very weird and and it's going to be a strange thing, and I think people have a hard time imagining that. I think I think people generally the the general progressive or not even progressive the general acceptance, um, you know, zeitgeist is that we are enlightened, that we are smart, we are advanced, we're overcoming you know bigotry and and false thinking that we have been held onto for for hundreds and hundreds of years, and we are at a place of enlightenment. We're at a place of understanding that we've never been able to get to before. And I just think that is a really naive, foolish idea that when you look at the history of the world and how the world actually functions, this is not sustainable. And this is actually going to hurt bad when this plane comes down. Yeah, I think it's very strange because we were such a faithful nation to begin. We were based on such faith in God. And I, and I don't remember who the, the quote is from, but it talks about faithfulness begat prosperity and then the daughter devoured the mother. Yeah, Cotton Mather. Yeah, th- th- that idea that we've, we were we had such faithful beginnings and foundations that it, it netted us such prosperity. I mean, prosperity even down to the, the lowest in society are so much better off than most of the world. And now we have just, everyone has just turned on that and it started to devour the faithfulness in a ravenous and unbelievable way that, I mean, you know, you look at, I see parallels to, you know, Rome where you talk, you see their, 
their opulence and their, you know, but that wasn't everybody, right? And that wasn't, and they still had, they still had times of war. They, no nation has had the, the peace time that we've had, the prosperity and the peace to get so comfortable down to the roots and no, and it seems like everybody is forgetting where we've come from, that it took work, that we are in a war, a spiritual war at least, and that there also is real war and real violence and real hardships in the rest of the world. It's, you know, I don't think uh, pointing to sitting in comfort, in peace in this country, and then being able to say, I hate this country. Yeah. I, I, it, you know, I don't know. Another time in history, it blows, it blows my mind. Well, yeah. and I also think uh, to your point that, um, to, I'm sorry, to Mike's point where it's hard for people who are a fully grown adults in the nineties to concept, to grasp the concept that where we are in this nation it feels like now this generation is having to rediscover why all these truths that prior generations knew were true. They're having to rediscover and the people that know it are having to start from scratch and having to um, use apologetics and describe and explain why these principles are good, not only on a personal level, but on a societal level as well. So we're really having to start over in regards to Christian principles because a lot of people have never heard these principles before. They don't know how they apply to um, our lives. They don't know how our country's laws were founded on basic Judeo-Christian principles. And so there's, whereas before you were able to operate, like you were saying, Bo, the person uh, next door to you was able to agree with you with most things. There was that assumption. And if they even if they weren't a Christian, they yeah, they still they adopted those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now we're having to have to start from scratch. You see these these people having to say, well, it's not good to steal. Right. Yeah. Why is it not good to yeah. steal? It, you know, and so it's we like need, uh, we don't need police. Well why don't we need police? Yeah. We need police you know, so these basic things about society right it's like there do. was a section of time where the baton wasn't handed off, right? Right. right? If you're in a, if you generation to generation a, a a baton of of good ideas and and foundational things gets handed to the next generation, that occurred for some period of time, and then and it, it does, I think, connects with technology. There's other things as well, though that that are that were baked into that, but a a baton wasn't handed off. And so now you've got a generation of people and I, I, I'm influenced a lot. I think we all are. We all are actively reading and, and stuff. Um, but like Jocko, Jocko is explaining truths that are very simple, you know, leadership, ownership, excellence in what you do. A person like Jordan Peterson. And, and I don't know that either of them are Christians, but they're explaining concepts that are rooted in Christianity, like, you know, work hard, have, be responsible. And, and it, it seems to be resonating. They seem to have success yeah. because there was a baton miss. And so people out there are wanting to understand how the world should work. It's funny because their stuff is so basic. It's you super know, it's basic. Simple. It's and, real simple. And I think part of that, I think part of that goes to another thing that has changed dramatically in our country over the last 70 years is fatherlessness. When you talk about passing on a baton, the the way that's supposed to be passed on is largely from your father to his children. And we have astronomical fatherless rates for several reasons. We have no-fault divorce um, in our country. That, that was a dramatic change. We have a welfare system that promoted people not being married, not getting together. Um, you know, you, you, would, you would lose your government assistance if you married the father of your children. And it was like an incentive. It's a perverse incentive to not get married. So we have all these brokenness. We, t we look at 
We could look at the abortion rates. We could look at mass incarceration. All of these are a result of fatherlessness. All of these are a result of men who who did not take responsibility. The, ra- the rise of feminism is, is in large part due to men not fully taking responsibility. And so relearning how to take that responsibility of how to how to learn those things and and then and then be the kind of person who passes on the baton, being the kind of person who now I'm going to I'm going to sh- I'm going to disciple, I'm going to share, I'm going to raise up is I think uh, can, can I press on that a little bit though? I think it it is that but um Voli Bakum has this thing he says where I can't remember his sermon but he was talking about how men measured themselves. I think the wrong responsibilities were passed on. It said men were, were they, he said something like they got their value from the ball field, the bedroom and the, and money. And those were the responsibilities. And, and Tobias earlier was saying like, there's a whole person component that's missing in things. You can make a lot of money and still that's not the deepest responsibilities that needed to be passed on to you. It is, it is a, there's a deeper ethic. There's a deeper purpose that in an, in a lot of what we see happening seems to be absent. Well, and I, so- I think you're saying the same thing because I think that, that the characteristics of, of money, what's in it for me, of sexual promiscuity and prowess, that there's a masculine drive to, you know, be a sexual alpha or something that there's a violent, uh, strength, you know, that you want the glory of, of being a, a star athlete, all that kind of stuff. I think that stuff comes natural to men. I think that's baked into masculinity that we're, we have more muscle mass. We have more testosterone. We're stronger. Um, you know, we, we can have a thousand, 10,000 kids. Women can only have a, 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 a small amount. And so all of that is, is, is uncontrolled masculinity. I think what a father does is a father demonstrates controlled masculinity. A father introduces the power. Um, he, has, he has that same physical power. He has that, faint, that same sexual power. He has that same drive, that same determination. And yet he's taking and he's disciplining and he's, challen- he's channeling it for the good of, of the community, for the good of the kingdom, for the good of his family. I think you take fathers out and all you have is uncontrolled masculinity and you get violence and you get the other end of that would be effeminate men that don't know how to be masculine or you get you know all those all those kinds of things that is what happens when you get unrestrained masculinity which i think is really damaging and and well it it goes back to your jordan peter you brought jordan peterson what he said to joe rogan saying um a weak man or just because you're not violent doesn't mean you're a strong man you have to you don't be a weak man be a beast go be as strong as you can but then learn to control it and that's that's really the point that Mike's making in in that the absence of a father, there's no restraint, there's no example and to be modeled. Um, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things with um, you know where we've come as a country, like you, you guys are talking about, is that you know we were established with these roots in Christianity, obviously very strong roots. That's where our liberty came from. That's where our values, where our culture, all of those things came from. And and so we had this tree that was producing this really good fruit. And it's been producing that fruit of liberty, of prosperity, of, you know, harmony, all of these things for so long. But I think we grew slack and we forgot what was producing that fruit. You know, I think parents thought, of course, my kid is just going to uh, be moral. And so we can focus on all these other things. We can focus on them being good at baseball and me being excellent at business and all of these different things. And they didn't tend to the thing that was actually producing the good in our society. 
and we haven't tended to it for so long that we're still eating the fruit, the the, the kind of the the I guess whatever you want to call it, God's common grace or Western the, or the civilization. Western civilization. Yeah. We're still eating that fruit. We got such a bumper crop, right? That we've been eating that fruit while at the same time not tending the tree. And I think in this current era, not only are we not tending the tree, we're trying to chop it down. So like Tobias pointed out, you're living in this country that has given you unprecedented comfort and ease and prosperity and peace. And at the same time saying that you hate it and want to destroy it. And so like we we're living in a time now where not only are we not tending what has produced the goodness in our country, but we're trying to, we're trying to chop it down. Maybe we've already chopped it down. Right. I don't know. You yeah, know, because it, you know, just well, again with the, the analogy of, of a tree is, is you have to reproduce and, and replant. And if we're just eating last right. harvest, we're right. not replanting, we're not growing new crops. By the time you get, you, by the time you eat the last of the fruit that you picked, and then you realize, oh, there's no more fruit coming. Then what happens? It's interesting, you know, all the ways that, that so much of the, the current worldview, secularist worldview is totally bankrupt and is totally suicidal. Not having kids, not having children, Ca- not, not ca- building. castrating children. Uh, yeah. I mean, like all the, <laughs> all the kinds of things that are, that are, that are going on that don't produce fruitfulness, that don't produce, you know, we talked about, I think, talked about making money. There's a lot of, in fact, I'd say most people who are making the most money in our culture have absolutely no idea about what it's for, you know, about, about ethics, about purpose. And one of the interesting things I think is when you think about education, Bo, you were saying that, you know, for a long time, we just kind of coasted on our assumed cultural values, shared cultural values. And, and one of the things we've done is in education, as we've kind of secularized education, we took prayer out of schools, we, we separated out, you know, um, the, the sense of purpose and ethics from education. And we just have an education system that just teaches you about math, teaches you about grammar structure, teaches you about history, but is divorced from a sense of purpose, a sense of design, a sense of ethics, is you get people who are educated for no reason at all. And for just the reasons of, of doing whatever you want with it, people don't know what to do with their physics degree. They don't know what they should be doing. So you get people who are making and designing and creating all kinds of things that, that are now divorced from the purpose and design of what they should be for. And that, that leads to some really dangerous, scary places. And we are on the fast train there. I, I, I like what Douglas Wilson says. He says, you know, when you jump out of a plane, you don't get to decide, okay, I want to stop here right? Like we've already given up a lot of the foundation and man, we are plummeting towards the ground and, and I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, I think the idea of, of like talking about fatherlessness and generations, um, again, a quote, I don't know the source from, but, um, it's talking about one generation loved. I don't know if I think it was talking about Christ. One generation loves Christ. The next generation assumes, right? That love, they assume Christ. The next generation after that hates Christ, right? You can take that for a, a lot of things, this country, faith, et cetera. I think that what we have to do generationally is like we got, we, uh, this generation assumed a lot of the good. They, they just got it without fully understanding it. They didn't get all the good things. They didn't know how to love it. They didn't know why they loved it. They got it from their the generation before. Right. And then now we're in a place where, because you don't know how to teach someone to love something and be thankful for it. And now there's a generation that hates all of these good things that two generations ago, they loved deeply. You know, I mean, that's, that's something that, uh, I think talking about a father, like teaching your kids to be thankful for what came before him, teaching them how to love God deeply, how to love their country deeply, how to love 
hard work and, uh, you know, things like that. You have to teach them how to love it. If you just make your kids do hard work and they just get it from you and they don't know how, they don't know how to love it and embrace it, they're going to, they're, the next generation is going to hate it. They're going to, they're going to reject, reject it. Well, Bo said something earlier and what I think has been a, a part of the reason we are able to do this and kind of discuss hard things and, and see through the hard things toward, toward a different outcome is because we're rooted in, and like, so Bo said, we all want to be excellent. And the, the, that is a, a powerful motivator. But I think what ties us together and has, has created the thing that we have in the Taco Tuesdays and now here is we want to be excellent in serving the purpose of advancing the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. Yeah, it's and, outside and of ourselves. It's outside of yeah. ourselves. And it, and it pulls those things in like a love of hard work, gratefulness, thankfulness that because it's all it's all a package like when you orient yourself towards loving christ and wanting to advance the kingdom those are those tenets are accompanied with deep purpose and you you move past like the businessman who makes money and has no reason for making the money you 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 are you're anchored in a way that um i i think has been um it's been powerful for us. It's been part of the reason that something like this can sustain. We are being refreshed as we look at the challenges. We're being refreshed and it's clarifying what purpose we have, which is to strengthen our ideas, strengthen our our own abilities in the different sectors that we all operate in to advance the kingdom. And so it's kind of a, it's a unique powerful thing that comes from Christian fellowship. Yeah. So let's, let's, that's a good place to pivot. Cause if you would just listen to this podcast of this point, I think you might stop listening, feeling a little bit discouraged yeah. and kind of bummed <laughs> out about the future. And actually we don't feel that way. I don't think that on the whole, um, we have a, uh, a pessimistic view of the future. I think, uh, maybe the near term future, but certainly I think as a, as a, a theological tenant, we believe God wins and not just like wins when he comes back and, and at the end of time, but we believe he wins here and now in this world. And, and I love the way that pastor Mark describes it um, as a, as a incoming tide, right? The waves are going in and out, but every new wave pushes the tide up a little bit higher. And, and we're kind of in a receding wave right now in a lot of ways, culturally um, we're, we're post-Christianized. We live in a kind of post-Christian world, but there's a, we all believe there's another wave coming that's going to push the gospel and the kingdom further up and further in. And we get a, we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of running our race, playing our part in this time. So what are some of the things as you guys look forward towards the future and being in sort of a unique, um, you know, place, uh, in time where in history, where we have, you know, such a, a biblical strength. And I think there's still a lot of strength left in the church. I think there's still a lot of power left in the, in the faithful. I think there's a, I know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of faithful Christians. So I think there's a lot of strength there. I think God is going to come through for those people. These people, these are people who are praying for our nation. They're praying for their families. They're, they're trying to do it right. What are some of the qualities, the values that you want to cultivate in your life moving forward that are going to be a part of the solution rather than, you know, just kind of having a pessimistic view of, man, the world is going into hell and handbasket. Well, to, to kind of put a bow on Spencer and Mike's point, I think that consistency is one of them because as you're describing the receding, we're in a, a time of receding of waves. And when there's no water around, it's a desert. And it, when people are walking around a desert, they're looking for any kind of signs of life, water, uh, trees, 
uh, things like that. And so that's where we're at right now. And so we live in a principle-based world. So anytime that there's a desert, if you can sustain and be consistent with water or food or subsidence, people are going to gravitate towards you or people are going to gravitate towards that resource. And as Christians, to your point about the tree recycling, I mean, it's that's biblical where a good tree can't produce only thing. The only thing it can produce is good fruit. So if we're consistent in our the way we live our lives and we're consistent through this time in Southern California, California, our country, whatever it is, of it being a desert, then people are going to gravitate towards that life. People are going to gravitate towards that substance. And um, to go along with that uh, uh, symbolism with nature about connecting face-to-face, there's a principle in nature that anything that's good in nature takes a long time to grow. Anything that's quick in nature is destructive. And so you think about a tree or a plant or grass or a crop. It takes a long time. Anything that's quick in nature, like tornadoes, flash floods, weeds. hurricanes, weeds, that's destructive. And so we need to be that long-suffering, consistent endurance. Yes. Um, so when the bad times come, I mean, and we're sitting in Youth Venture and El Cajon, I mean, that's exactly what it is right in the desert, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so let, uh, let me just say, because I think that's an interesting point um, that, you know, as far as, as far as Christians go, the, you know, the world doesn't, it's not going to reproduce. And I think if we think about, there's actually a real benefit to being in the times that we're living in. I think what's more dangerous is maybe the times we've been coming from where we have all the storehouses and all the, the stored up, you know, a benefit of Western civilization and, and we're all living fat and we're all have enough money to spend and we're all, you know, be able to enjoy ourselves and go to the movies and just have a great grand life and be just led by the nose into, into hell, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And just have no spiritual hunger, no spiritual desire. It's when the, the Bible says that God, it says in Psalms that God shakes things so that that which is unshakable can be revealed. And I think from God's perspective, I wonder if he doesn't look with real excitement about this, this current season and the coming season to say, I'm going to shake some things so that that which is unshakable can be revealed and that the kingdom and, and, and his people and faithfulness will will be seen for what it is as everything else falls apart. And so God's given us those principles to build what is lasting, what is true, what is right, what is good, what is beautiful. And I think if I think if we stay faithful to that, if we persevere, um, I think that there's a, a real harvest coming from that that I think I'm excited about. Yeah, I do think it's all much more near the surface, right? It's not it's not peacetime. It's you. You realize you're more in a war. You realize kingdom principles matter more. You you realize that. I think, like Phil said, uh, letting people draw be drawn to those things. I think that's something you know. This podcast and and just in my life that I'm trying to progress more is letting people welcoming and letting people be drawn. Right, like the the light up on a hill. Right, it's yeah. it's not hidden uh, because people need it. And you see when they when they even get a, a sense of it. They're drawn to it because so much has been washed away and eroded in our in our society that they're just gravitating to good things. Christianity may be a secondary thing, but then you can tell them this is where it comes from. It's the it's the root. It's the foundation. Is Christianity? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, along with that, I think that Christians need to stop trying to live for the world. I think we need to get out of the world as much as possible. Stop living for the world's approval. Stop living so that. We can have cultural clout or whatever. And I think we need to start living out and taking biblical principles serious. One of the things I think about is just the idea of community, the idea of, of loving each other well. You know, the Bible says that that they'll know us by our love for one another. 
And I think one of the things that that a dying, desperate world is going to look towards is they're going to look towards a church that is really good at loving each other. And I'm not positive that's exactly what they'd see right now. I think we need to grow in that. I think the church needs to grow in our love for each other. And I think that just means in some real practical ways, I think that we should begin to look towards, um, you know, doing business with other Christians and doing living life with other Christians and building you know, things in, in almost a subculture way so that, th- that we have a culture for people to come to. And I think that's one of the things that I would uh, hope this podcast could be used for is that, is that as people are thinking and encouraging, it would help them pull back from the world, help them pull back from maybe what some of the, you know, what, what we just kind of maybe have unthinkingly adopted from the world and accepted from the world and start really looking towards, man, how do I lean into the church? How do I be a part of the church? How do I love the church? Well, stop Stop, uh, you know, apologizing for the church. Stop um, getting sucked into the whole like, you know, Christians are bad or they're, you know, the the man or they're part of this, you know, racist, whatever kind of history. Like all that is is bunk and we can talk about all that in the future. But how do I start really being a part of investing in leaning into the church, loving the church, serving the church, helping the church? And I think that gives us an an actual option for people to see and want to be a part of when they pull back from the culture. Yeah, I think that's really good. It, you know, I think about um, when you're when you're saying that, I get the picture of someone being out in the cold, you know, and you kind of the, uh, I don't know, Dickens or whatever it is, like you're looking through this window and you see this like table set, right? And you, we want to be a place that people can come in from the cold and yeah. see harmony and joy and, um, and peace and these kind of things. Like we need to be the place that we can invite people into yeah. as the church, you know? And so like to culture that, um, I think is just like very important because what are you what are you going to invite someone into? Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think it's a good mix of it's it's showing strength, but it's also showing humility, right? Like it's it's humility and honor, which you don't see. Humility in the world is uh, it's a weird weakness. Like I said, race to the bottom. It's not a, a true humility being honest with who you are, but also at the same time being strong and also honoring each other, right? Like being not only seeking to be an honorable man, but honoring the other men you're with and other people you're with, honoring your family and honoring God. I mean, the sense of honor is, yeah, you know, not, welcoming sense. people into that is I think something that's, uh, people want it, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't want to keep heading towards the, towards the cliffs yeah. below. One of the things that with, um, Jesus Christ is, is the only true power. And so I, I, I just look around and I see so much of people trying to just wrestle and, and grapple for power and use their their persuasive techniques to argue and out argue and this side's better and this it's just this like power grab and it's and it's you there, there's all this jockeying and positioning and as a Christian what you get you get the the peace and the comfort of of and the rest of like. Jesus Christ is is so much more powerful than anything that's going on and and it it can change you. It it allows you to be in chaotic situations and just be like I'm okay. I'm completely okay. I'm thought of. Christ knows me now. He knows me here in this and he's got purpose and he's victorious. And so I think there's a there's something it's it's supernatural. It's heavenly as as Christians that we can offer in every circumstance we're in. And I I think that goes to being the 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 source in a dry place. And and that's one of the encouraging things I've noticed is like you, you having just a little bit of Christ's power 
and being able to reflect it out, you step into circumstances and people are kind of shocked at why. Why are you so calm right now? And it, it, at, you know, as you let that mature in you and as you grow in your Christian walk, it becomes something that kind of just flips the world on its on its head for you. You you can approach challenges different. You can encourage people different. You can forgive people differently. There's so much unforgiveness and hostility out there, and people don't know how to forgive. Yeah. And Jesus Christ gives us an example of that, and that is one. It's a tool that it just baffles people. Yeah. When you can forgive somebody, when you can look past something, that doesn't come from human strength. That comes from you know the Lord and the Savior. So I I am deeply encouraged about what Christ can do in in the receding in the receding tide. It yeah. it really clarifies. It. Yeah, I, and I think that idea of man living out of the overflow and an abundant relationship with God and and trusting in him and and not having to win, not having to be right, just trusting that he's and I think that thing we talked about earlier about um having a long view of history is man, as we look back over the world, that's just that's Jesus' style. Like that's what he's been doing across the world forever. He he took the gospel into these barbarians, you know what I mean, into into Northern Europe and converted them to Christians. And then, and then Ireland got converted, right? St. Patrick converted Ireland. He was a, he was a, a British sl- a slave. He got kidnapped and taken as a slave to Ireland, escaped, went back to Britain and then, then went, back. went back to Ireland and converted to Ireland. I was just reading last night about um, St. Columbanus and he was an Irish monk who then went and converted all these Gauls and all these, these Germanic people who had come in and taken over Western Europe. And he began to go and bring conversion. It's just like this cycle of what God is doing, man, where he raises up faithful Christians and they go into the world and it works and they convert people and people's lives and whole the whole history of the world has changed. And it, and so when we think about, man, you were in the United States of America and there's a lot of bad signs out there. We think, man, this is the exact ripe environment for the world that God wants yeah, to get this, involved in. This is the fight. I mean, the the idea that's, and I think that we should keep stating our stance is that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, right? It will continue to grow and be victorious and until it overtakes everything, right? I mean, think, Amen. and we should just know that we need to embrace the fight, right? Embrace the suck, I think is one of the, yeah. like that, that idea is like, you know, hard work and hard times. Okay. Yeah, you know, like that. Good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're infringement. That's yeah, infringement. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, and it, it leads into exactly, and even in the midst of that, like, like you know, it says in in Psalm twenty three, I'll set a table before your enemies, in right? The, in the presence, in the presence of your enemies. enemies. And I think about Bo's picture of the guy yeah, looking in the in the window. That's what I was thinking too. From yeah. the cold, and it's like, man, we're having a party. Like we're having our table, our cups are full, our tables full. There's room for one more. We have a raging fire and we're all laughing and having a great time. And I think that's the picture that I think it seems like God has done over the years and wants to continue to do. And um, I don't know that means, you know, prosperity and physical prosperity, but it means spiritual prosperity. And um, and and we can do that. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to more of these podcasts. Um, thank you guys for listening. And we're going to sign off. God bless you. Peace. Peace.